0: Welcome once again to the Bible Idiots Podcast, and it is Wednesday, which means we're bringing to you today our long-form teaching. And today, Pastor Chris, he's going to be pulling scriptures throughout the Bible and tying them together to give us a good picture of fake righteousness, not godly righteousness, but a fake righteousness where people in their own minds make decisions and do things that they themselves think are good or godly, but often it's very contradictory to what God uh, actually says. So, fake righteousness is the name of the title. Here is Pastor Chris Danielson.
1: Getting up in Abilene at two in the morning to let your dogs out, the, the phrase, it was a dark and stormy night. It was legit last night, I tell you. Well, today we're going to do more of a devotional message. Uh, there's, no, there's no scripture per se to, to, to read. Um, but before I get started, I just want to review with you the different types of sermons, different types of messages that a pastor can bring. And some are called homilies. And what comes out of the practice of hermeneutics. You know what hermeneutics means? It's a branch of knowledge that deals with interpretation, especially the Bible or literary text. And then there's homiletics, which is the exegesis of Scripture, which is a critical explanation or interpretation of a text, especially of Scripture. And then the verbal delivery of the message. Do you get all that? Can you see why I didn't fit in in seminary? But really, if you break it all down, there's four ways, some say three, I say four, four ways to deliver the word of God to folks from a pulpit that is appropriate and that is God-inspired that will bless the people that listen. One is topical, and another is textual, another is expository, and then I add the fourth, storytelling. If you are willing to come and share your testimony and all jokes aside, Tim, I just can't. I'd love for you to come next Sunday and share a little bit of your testimony with folks. Your testimony and storytelling is how the world gets around, as far as knowledge is concerned, and has been for centuries. Not only that, but our Lord and Savior. What did He choose to do when He reached out to people? Storytelling. That's what parables were, right? And so, if you take textual, that's a topic like faith, sin. Uh, I'm sorry, topical is take a topic, faith, sin, hope, et cetera, and then you expound on it. Textual, that would have been last week, like David and Goliath, the prodigal son, Noah and the flood. You take that text and you just kind of do something. Expository is verse by verse, where we literally put up a verse. You know, we, we read the text, we put up the verse, then we take, take, take care of that verse. Then we do the next one and the next one. And, and to be honest with you, that's one of my favorite ways of preaching and studying God's word and worshiping God. And then there is like what we're going to do today, which is more of on the devotional side, storytelling. And I want to take a topic and I want to to kind of look at a few verses in an expository way, but I also want it to be more of just an opportunity for you to just clear your minds and understand what we're facing in our society. See, the title of the message today is Beware of Fake Righteousness. And when you say that, sometimes people just misunderstand. Well, what do you mean by fake righteousness? Well, what I mean is there's a counterfeit that happens to us in our psyche and the way we're built as human beings by our Creator God that allows us to try to get involved in things that we feel are bringing righteousness to our lives but at the end of the day leave us feeling empty. And you all know probably what I'm talking about, but I want to break it down into a little bit more deeper today. Is that fair enough? See... We have absolute madness happening in our society right now. It's it's, it's absolutely insane to watch what people are are doing and you have to ask yourself, why? Why why would they think that this is actually a good thing? And then when you take it down into the lens of fake righteousness, makes a little more sense, so. See, I think that we are in such a dark place and it's never been in human history before like this because we've never had the tech savvy, the modern, you have every bite of information at your fingertips and that now the fake righteousness of people is on display for all of us to see. How many times have you been involved in a Facebook string and somebody just jumps in with something that has nothing to do with it but it's so negative? I'm gonna give you an example. I'm on a sports fan page it's the Minnesota Vikings fan page. And the Kansas City Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, but you know what's called Minnesota nice? is when we all wanna watch the Super Bowl too. You know, the old joke back home is, yeah, the Vikings are gonna be at the Super Bowl, sections 43 and 44, you know? So this lady on the Vikings fan page posted a thing that said, looking for cool finger food recipes for the big game. Kansas City, Tampa Bay. Why do you care? Because she's a fan. And some people are saying, well, do this. You can do this uh, Nordic dish. You can, you can do this. And then right in the middle of it, somebody wrote this. And, I, and I'm quoting word for word. Don't watch political NFL. Don't watch political NFL. Why are you here? What, what, this is a lady looking for recipes. You're on an NFL fan page don't watch political NFL but I'll, my opinion is just so important you know dude if you go to a wedding your cousin fell in love he's about to get married you go to the wedding at the wedding's not the point to stand up and say how bad marriage is with all your statistics but my opinion is just as legitimate as anybody no it's not time and place see that's a selfishness that is breeded by fake righteousness. It has been beat into these folks that their opinion matters no matter what, no matter where. Spiritual growth gives you what's called discernment, and you know where and when to, to put stuff. See, this dark place is also followed by virtue signaling. How many times do we, do we watch friends and family virtue signal? Not just on social media, but now, now face-to-face, now in public. Virtue signaling Took on uh, 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 both sides of the aisle on masks. Now, there are some people that legitimately needed to wear a mask. And there were some people that I think were authentic in their desire to not wear a mask. But I watched both sides try to virtue signal that their way was better. Not just, hey, I'm a free man, I'm not going to wear a mask. Hey, you know what, I'm kind of at risk, I want to wear a mask, and I want people around me to wear a mask. I mean, those were the rarities. And, and, and not so much in Kansas, but in other parts of the country, it was just, it was appalling. Because we'd find any way to divide ourselves, and we'd do it under the guise that we're more righteous than you. And it's fake. And that's what I want to talk about today. See, as humans, we will find significance in something to make us feel righteous, especially if we do not have a relationship with Jesus. If you're not soundly saved... You will find things, ideas, movements, and causes that you can latch onto, and therefore you synthetically pacify the inborn need to be filled. Now, some people have called this a God-shaped hole, or a God-shaped void, or a God-shaped vacuum that you have built into you by the Creator. And many have shared this quote that I'm going to share with you, and it's most commonly assumed to come from the scientist Blaise Pascal. You ready? Here it is. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person, and it can never be filled by any created thing. It can only be filled by God, made known through Jesus Christ. Sounds pretty good, right? Now, I did some research, and I did some check-in, and I stood on the shoulders of better researchers and better uh, scholars than me. And that's not the correct quote. That's a great quote, But it's not really Pascal who said that. All of Pascal's writings, uh, people are searching for the Pascal quote. I found this one. This is actually from Blaise Pascal's book, page 75, uh, from Penguin Books 1966. You ready? Here it is. This is what he actually said. And I think this one's better. It says, What else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim but that there was once in a man a true happiness, of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there, the help he cannot find in those that are, though none can help. Since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God himself. A lot stronger, isn't it? It's almost like that game, that whispering game. Pascal says this, and the next person then says it. And pretty soon you get over to here, and you get the shortened short quote. Yeah, Pascal said you had a God-shaped void, a God-shaped hole. Point is, is he hit on it. Pascal nails it. This is, this is real, and this is what we try to fill ourselves with. And what are some synthetic things that we can fill ourselves with? Well... People try to fill it with all kinds of different things, don't they? Right now, you can think of whatever you're thinking of, and you know that that's you. It might be totally different than me or the people around you. See, the God-shaped whole concept states that every person has this void that can only be filled by God. But we long for something outside ourselves. It's something transcendent, something from the other. Look at Ecclesiastes 3.11. This refers to God's placing eternity in God's heart, in man's heart. Ecclesiastes 3.11, let's look at it. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. See, God made us humanity for his eternal purpose. And only God can fulfill our desire for eternity. All religion is based on the innate desire to connect with God. This desire can only be fulfilled by God and therefore can be likened to a God-shaped void, God-shaped hole, God-shaped vacuum, whatever you want to call it. The problem is though, humanity ignores this God who is the only one who can fill this void and we put other things in there. Jeremiah 17.9 describes the condition of our hearts. Look at Jeremiah 17.9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The New Testament concurs in Romans 8.7. Romans 8.7 says this. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Wow. We don't even have the ability. Romans 1, uh, 18 through 22. Now, this little passage, I'm going to read it to you. It describes humanity ignoring what can be known about God and includes presumably this God-shaped vacuum and instead worshiping anything other than God. Ready? This passage would be my text if I was going to do a full sermon, but we're doing this devotional style today. Here we go. Verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 18 through 22 of Romans. So they are without excuse. You're without excuse because of God's natural revelation. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Sadly, too many spend their lives looking for something other than God to fill their longing for meaningness business, family, sports, drugs, alcohol. I mean, those are easy ones. But I believe that we have transcended it with technology that never existed before. I'm 56 years old and I look at the world and I see that, uh, you know, when I thought we could pick up a telephone and call across the ocean was pretty cool. You know what I'm saying? I remember in 1982 being in a bank on a field trip for my business class, and we had somebody in California on the phone fax us a piece of paper saying, you know, hey, Mr. You know, business class, hi, Tina, hi, Jeff, you know, hi, a few of the names of the kids that, that they heard on the phone. And it came through on a piece of paper in what was called a facsimile machine. And, I mean, we thought we'd launch the space shuttle, you know, I mean, it was just incredible. But in this world, this modern age, this wokeness is out of control. Look at me. Look at how much I love and respond to this, that, or the other thing. I'm so woke regarding this or the other thing. Or look how woke I am and and how white privileged you are. Or worse, some of these white folks out there, I'm so sorry for my whiteness. It makes me... If I apologize publicly for my whiteness, I'll feel more righteous than I was before. Are you kidding me? That's nonsense. And it's binding to these folks. It binds them up in in a clenchiness that they can't break free from, and they almost find comfort in their clenchiness. Does that make sense to you? It's blinding, it's binding, and it's heartbreaking to see. You will never, ever hear me apologize for being a white Norwegian from Minnesota. It's who I am. God made me this way. He gave me my skin color. He gave me my height. I added the rest. So then you have to ask yourself, what do non-believers pursue? What activism are they involved with? And when you see it, and you see that they're really trying to just be righteous in their own little twisted foolish minds, like we have all been, so we're not any better than them, then we can have grace for them and pray for them. But understand what they're doing. See, what do atheists pursue? What what do some of these other folks pursue? What are they involved in? It's a good question. And many times when you actually see it, you'll see it's a counterfeit of something that was pretty good. For example, the Civil Rights Movement. I've had a chance to study Martin Luther King Jr. I've had a chance to sit down with Andrew Young. Colors of Character movie, I learned a lot about stuff I didn't know before, and what I did know before was reiterated. Martin Luther King trusted Jesus in a pacifist way, in an appropriate way, through prayer and through trusting Jesus to try to change his culture for the better. You ever heard of Fred Shuttlesworth? If you haven't, look him up. It's the name of the Birmingham Airport, the Shuttlesworth International Airport. Fred Shuttlesworth is one of our heroes because of the way he showed grace and forgiveness to those around him while standing for the truth. He's an amazing, amazing American man. But we take the civil rights movement, and now what do we do? We apply it in a very bastardized way, in a very way that is just... Not legitimate. It's counterfeit. But it gives people this idea that they're for something that's righteous. You know what I'm talking about. You're going to either bend the knee in order to accept and feel righteous today through these counterfeits, or you're going to bend the knee to Jesus Christ and let God fill this void in your heart, and then you're full. Let's take PETA, for example, the animal rights folks. Or how about... The heart my earth folks. You know, we're going to heart our earth. Why are we always six or seven years away from catastrophe? 1977, it was said we were all going to be underwater by 2000. 2007, we're all going to be underwater by 2012. We're always just a little bit, just far enough away where there may be a chance that in our righteous acts of hearting our earth, we can save the planet. Now, let's be adults here and understand that many solid Christians desire to protect animals. I'm one of them. Look at Proverbs 12.10. Proverbs 12.10 says, The righteous care for the needs of their animals, but the, kind, the kindest acts of the wicked are cruel. See, here's the thing. I got puppy prints all over my shirt, and I don't even know how to discipline my dog. I just love them. You know, I'm not a dog whisperer. I didn't expect them to turn out like this. They make life miserable for anybody that comes to my house. You know? I love my animals, and I love people who love animals. But let's get it in perspective. You have some sort of void if you put saving animals on the same level as your neighbor or a child or a baby. How about people who are pursuing abortion yet want to protect lab rats on the the same uh, right as sacred life? Let me say that again got people out there who pursue abortion aggressively but their other act of fake righteousness is that they think lab rats have the same sacred life that any human would have what's verse 22 of romans chapter 1 just asking for a friend how about environmentalists who want to save the whales and the rainforest at the expense of their fellow man is it ironic that many of these same folks Uh, demand uh, population control and euthanasia? Don't you see anything wrong with that? Am I the only one who sees that and says, wow, why would they be pursuing this craziness? See, there are some common sense things in wanting to recycle and being good stewards of the earth. But the extreme is usually found in people wanting to gain a superior goodness or righteousness within themselves. Did you catch that? One more time, don't miss this. There are common sense things, taking care of animals, taking care of the earth, recycling, doing good stewardship things, loving thy neighbor as thyself. But then you can take it to the extreme and you want to find this superior goodness. I want to be known as goodness. I want a virtue signal, my righteousness, because I'm good. You may have Christ, but I'm good when I do all my goody goodness. And here's the thing. These folks always come up Short. How do I know that? Because the Bible says it's so. And every time we talk to folks who have come out of those lifestyles, whose eyes have been opened, ears have been opened, and the void has been filled with Jesus Christ, they testify to that fact that I just shared with you. You ever wonder why some of these folks then come off so angry and bitter? Because they don't have any love. It's fake. And they're veiled. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. It says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So then what are they left with? You got to feel something. You got to feel something. You can't go on with life and, and just this numbness. Nobody does. So you try to fill it with something. In pursuing these things that are not eternal, they remain unfulfilled and wonder why their lives never seem satisfactory. There is no doubt that many people pursuing things other than God, they will gain a measure of happiness for a time. But when we consider Solomon, who had all the richest success, esteem, and power in the world, no one has been as rich as Solomon. Even Jeff Bezos today is not as wealthy as Solomon was in his day. In short, all men seek after in this life. We see none of it fulfilling the longing for eternity. There's always something missing when you don't have Jesus Christ in eternity sealed up in your name, written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And Koheleth, Solomon, that was his pen name, Summed it up as calling it all vanity. Meaning that he sought after these things in vain because they did not satisfy. And in the end, he sums it up in Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen says, Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Let's sum it up. Here it is. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Just as a square peg can't go into a round hole, neither can a God-shaped void inside each of us be filled by anyone or anything other than God. One number one reason marriages failed? She didn't fulfill me. He didn't fulfill me. I thought he would be a good girlfriend. It turned out he was a man. She's just not like my mom. If you have mothers like Emily and I, we're we're happy about that. (laughs) We love both our mothers, but... Look, a square peg cannot fit into the round hole, neither can the God-shaped void be filled by anyone other than God. Only through a personal relationship with God, through faith in Jesus Christ, recognizing our sinfulness and need of a Savior. That's the deal. And then... Jesus Christ comes in and fills that void, and that desire for eternity is fulfilled. And then you have a contentment with godliness, which the Bible calls great gain. And then the game is afoot. The enemy comes and tries to beat you down. And that's when you look for brothers and sisters who want to bind together. A uh, three-braided cord is not easily broken get it so let's be reminded each day to fill our lives with overflowing of our savior he's the only thing let's remember to love on those who are around us who are trying in vain to still fill their emptiness and we are what they need we are children of god and they need to be one of us it's the great recruitment plan of all time sharing the gospel And and don't you see when you get this kind of vision, how you don't have a scoreboard, you don't have a scorecard, you don't keep track of how many people came to know the Lord? You just do it. Angels in heaven rejoice every time a sinner fills that void with Jesus Christ, the only one who can fill it. They rejoice. I don't even understand it half the time, but when I see it, I see it. And I know, I know it because I know it when you watch somebody's countenance change. My dad in 1978 came to know the Lord, went forward at at a country music gospel crusade. Dude was never the same again. I wouldn't be here today if that didn't happen. I watched, I was blessed to watch a man who was one of the smartest, toughest, just best guys to ever walk the earth be redeemed. And then people will see that difference in us. You know when they see the difference in you? When you don't try. When you just are filled with Jesus. That's why the Bible calls him our great portion. So let's bring it home with the big why question. The next two verses of 2 Corinthians. Chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. It says, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, oh, no, 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 but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Uh, Verse 6 For God, who said, "Let let light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And our vacuum is full. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and thank you and praise you. Lord Jesus, thank you for living that perfect life so that you could die the sacrificial death in obedience and that you would then rise from the dead and have victory over death, hell, and the grave. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for coming and guiding us. Creator, King, and Counselor, we just ask that you would bless the folks here today, that we would walk full. And out of that fullness would come obedience, not of righteousness of our own, but your righteousness would shine off of us in spite of ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Thanks for tuning into our Sunday message. To donate, request prayer, or to contact Pastor Chris, you can write to Lifehouse Church at P.O. Box 661 Abilene, Kansas 67410 or go online at lifehouse-church.com. On behalf of the entire congregation, thanks again for your support.